is Living Your Big Bold Life Podcast, and I'm your host, Bet Lucas. I have five crazy kids, a full-time career in a mostly male industry, and I've been on a health journey where I've lost over 40 pounds. On this podcast, you will find encouragement for your own unique journey. You'll be provided tools to help you not just survive this life, but thrive in the areas of health, career, and family. So come live your big, bold life with me. Are you ready? I sure am. Hello, welcome to Living Your Big, Bold Life podcast. I am your host, Bette Lucas. Today's guest is Kim Smith, and I can't wait for you to hear about her health journey. But before we get started, I wanted to share with you that baby number six has a name. Our new baby girl is Vivian Ruby Jean, and we are calling her Vivi Rue or Vivi or Rue. We're all a little bit torn on which nickname is going to stick. But she is 15 days old today, and we are just thrilled to have her in our lives. We are lacking a little bit of sleep, which is normal at this stage. So forgive me if I sound a little sleepy. (laughs) I also decided to give up caffeine for a while, and I've never been a huge caffeine person. I like coffee, but I can drink decaf no problem. But I decided to just cut it out completely. But I have to tell you a story about caffeine before we start this episode. So my husband has always struggled with sleep for as long as I've known him, and he has tried all the things. And my husband has never been like this huge caffeine addict. He doesn't drink like energy drinks. He doesn't drink coffee throughout the day. However, he has one to two cups, probably big cups of coffee in the morning with cream in them. So last month, we did a challenge in the Motivate with My Betty Lou group to cut out cream in your coffee. We called it the Black Coffee Challenge. So I asked him to join me in this challenge. It's a great way to kind of baby step into intermittent fasting is to cut out the cream, cut out the sugar, get all of that stuff out. And then you're naturally kind of intermittent fasting if you don't have breakfast with that and you just have black coffee. Well, he thought about it and he goes, well, if I'm going to cut the cream out of my coffee, I'm just going to cut coffee out completely. And you guys, I'm not kidding you. Both my husband and I wouldn't have believed it if we hadn't like witnessed it ourselves. He is sleeping so well, like better than he has slept in years, years. And so what this really showed me was that even that minimal amount of caffeine for him and his body was affecting his sleep. Most of us can have a few cups of coffee in the morning and it's no big deal to our sleep. We sleep great. But if you are someone who struggles in the sleep department, maybe take this little tip and try it too. Because like I said, my husband is now like totally off coffee, is telling everybody about how great he feels, and I am so grateful. So anyways, I cut caffeine for a while too. I guess I'm walking with him in solidarity a little bit. (laughs) Interesting time to choose this with a newborn, right? Anyways, let me tell you about Kim. So Kim shares today about how she lost over 85 pounds. But really, Kim's story is so much more than just about losing 85 pounds. 
Her story is about finding her freedom, her joy, and her purpose. And really, isn't that what we all want? And I think she leads you to some great tips on how maybe if you're feeling a little bit lost or you're struggling on your journey, how you might take some steps towards your purpose and joy too. And really, find your freedom. Kim's journey is also a unique perspective that we haven't yet had on this podcast because she is walking it with her husband, Ryan. Similar to Spencer and I walking our caffeine journey together, she and Ryan did intermittent fasting together and he lost over 100 pounds. They ended up writing a book called Unbelievable Freedom, which is about their journey And she shares more about that today. So let's get to Kim and let's take some steps to finding our purpose, our joy, and finding that freedom that we all are looking for. Here's Kim. Well, good morning, Kim. All the way on the East Coast, far, far away from me in Maine. How are you this morning? Hi, Beth. I'm feeling great and I'm really happy to be here with you. Kim and I were laughing as we were talking before this recording that we were trying to make sure and get to get this recording done prior to me popping because I'm on day 31 before on baby countdown. <laughs> uh-huh. I'm glad I, I'm glad I'm I'm going to be before baby six instead of after. I know the podcast will continue once baby's here, but. I am too. I've been anxiously awaiting your story to share with the listeners. And I know many of my listeners probably know who you are, but many probably don't too. So Kim, let's just start by sharing with the listeners a little bit about you and and then you can just flow right into your journey and what brought you here today. Awesome. Well, I always start with a point in my life seven years ago when my grandmother passed away. She was 95. She was sort of a a guiding light for me. And in the last years of her life, kind of as she was in her 90s, I was approaching 40 and I was struggling. That's really how I always describe it. It is the best language I have. I was struggling with frustration with my career feeling overwhelmed, struggling with my health and not knowing how to take care of it. I had gained almost 100 pounds during the first decade of my second marriage, my marriage now. And my grandmother said to me at the very end of her life, each time she saw me, she would say three words, enjoy your life. She always said that and it always felt like a little bit of a sting, like felt like one more way to fail and tell people that it felt like Oh, I've got this long list. I got to figure out what to, to what my purpose is here in the world. I got to get my health straightened out. I got to do my marriage and motherhood, and, and now I got to enjoy my life too. And uh, when she passed away, it was a really crushing blow, which I acknowledge is strange that a 95 year old woman died of old age after a long, healthy life. But for me, it felt like a guiding light going out. At least it briefly felt that way. But I started to try to figure out what enjoy your life meant why she said it, and it became kind of a possibility to live into. So I started to change all of those things. I started to find my purpose in my work, and I started to straighten out some of my relationships, and I started to get outdoors and practice gratitude and breathe fresh air and be in nature and all the things that are good for our health. And the last kind of final frontier for me in terms of struggle was food. I just 
had such good intentions, but but not the right information, I think, at that point. And I was trying to diet and trying to control carbs, which are, you know, still a, a triggery kind of food for me to lose my handle on knowing what I'm doing. And it was at that point that I found intermittent fasting, which is why we know each other. We were, are both members of, of Delay Don't Deny, the community. So I found that book. And my husband, who Brian, who was actually doing a different diet at that time, ended up joining me in the lifestyle. And now we're down 200 pounds. And, and that's really, that's what brings the story almost to today. Wow. I ran into Kim through Delay Don't Deny and just found so much of her journey truly powerful because she not only emphasizes, obviously, all of these changes that were happening on this health journey as she found intermittent fasting, but she does such a good job of emphasizing everything else that was improving and changing and how her purpose was becoming more and more clear. And I just think you do that so beautifully. So when you had found intermittent fasting, tell us a little bit about that journey. And Kim, if you don't mind me asking, I know you lost over 100 pounds and you and Ryan lost over 200 combined. So how much did you weigh at that time? Do you mind sharing? Yeah, I think my, you know, I have a hard time with the, with the actual numbers because I'm such, wasn't a scale, unfortunately wasn't a scale person before the weight loss. That's part of the problem is I was in denial and also haven't been much of a scale person since, but it's, it's, for me, it's really about 90 pounds. And I was starting somewhere in the, in the two thirties and I went down to about 147 pounds. I have a lot of muscle. I know it sounds defensive, but I have a lot of muscle went down to about 147 pounds and I still hover somewhere around 150. So it was 87, 88, somewhere in the close to 90 pounds down from my heaviest. And I just feel really good. And I hold space for a few more pounds to come off as the years go on. But if they don't, that's okay too, because I really couldn't feel better. And when you started fasting, what did that look like for you? And I know that's why I love this podcast and I love featuring guests on fasting because I think a lot of people just think that everyone's journey is kind of the same. And what I hope people have realized is that every single person that's been on this podcast that's shared about their health journey, their path to freedom, their path to success has been different. So what did your path look like? So when I was in my years of struggle and really struggling with food, I was sort of always grazing on kind of ultra processed food. You know, I just start with coffee and donuts and I would proceed to some kind of packaged snacks. And I ate a lot of processed food for microwaved meals and things for for lunch and, you know, tried to cook for the family, but I was really just so sugar addicted that nothing really appealed to me except quick sugar. And at the time that I found Delay Don't Deny and decided to try intermittent fasting, I had really kind of backed myself into a dirty fast. You know, Jen and I have talked about the fact that I wasn't deliberately trying to make a comparison between dirty fasting and clean fasting, but I was following Dr. Heller's, the two Dr. Heller's carbohydrate addicts diet for a couple of years and having some success with it. I kind of got all of my carbs compartmentalized down to mostly one main meal. So my day was lots of coffee and cream, lots, lots of coffee and cream, and then a low carb lunch, which usually was salad bar, Mm -hmm. (laughs) salad and protein. 
And then at dinner time, I was just eating with the family. I said I often Ryan was low carbing it during those days, and I was often making like protein, vegetable, and starch. And Ryan was eating just protein and vegetables, and the kids were just eating starch and a little vegetables. I didn't do as good a job as you do with incentivizing the vegetables, and I was just eating starch. I was just eating, you know, and I just that was when I that was my carb meal. So I gave myself permission to eat a big plate of macaroni and cheese and a, and a brownie. And so I wasn't really eating the way that you know, I kind of want to take care of my body now, but it did get all my carbs into a compartment and that helped. And, and, and I did take some weight off and I did feel an increased sense of capability of not being totally out of control, but the carbs still called to me all day. So I worked in a hospital and I'd go down from the office to the file room and I'd go past the cafeteria and I'd think, oh, I could, wish I could go in there and get a muffin. Now I maybe didn't do it, but it was calling to me. So when I found clean fasting and I decided to switch to the black coffee and push my eating window to like a three to 7 PM was what I really settled in on pretty quickly when I got started. You know, the muffins didn't call to me. That was the difference. I mean, before when I was dirty fasting, I might've not eaten the muffin because I was doing carb addicts diet, but it, it called to me and I had the cravings and I had the distracted thoughts. And so for me, when people say, why did you dive so full force into the clean fasting? It's because I got that freedom from that constant annoyance of thinking about and wanting, you know, all the things that would come through the office during that time, the box of donuts, the box of scones and muffins. I, I didn't want them anymore. I knew I'd have them later if I did. And increasingly I didn't anyway. And so for me, that was that was the freedom. It's just like when people quit smoking and they say they just, they like knowing that, that they had the upper hand in their life and not these, these external kind of things that they're dependent on. And that's how, what clean fasting gave me with food. I love this. And really, Kim, we have talked about clean fasting on this podcast, but we really haven't hit that point overly hard. And I think that you just are going to have a lot of people have kind of a light bulb moment because I try to tell people who are newer to intermittent fasting or who are kind of uh, exploring it that black coffee was a really big turning point for me. And I call it the smallest, hardest, mm. yet most profound change. Mm. And hearing you say that comparison of the muffin, I think that will really help people because I think people don't realize that it's really about what it does to you throughout the day as a result of that simple change. You know, it, it, and people don't, a lot of times I'll tell somebody, they're like, oh yeah, right. You know, why? You yeah, know, you why have to that? feel it. You have to feel it, Bet. You're right. And I think that that is why it's only in retrospect that I realized that I became like a, a test case for the, the dirty fasting to clean fasting. Cause really in my early weeks that dropping the cream out of all those cups of coffee and cream was really the biggest change. And it's the reason why I had such an immediate and profound kind of impact because I already got my food kind of collapsed down. I was only eating a few hours a day anyway, and I already had my carbs somewhat reined in, but it was that cream in the coffee that was, I didn't know it, but was driving the constant desire to put, put sugar, you know, I used to joke, I take my sugar on the side. What I meant was put lots of cream in my coffee and put a muffin or donut beside it because that was my, and I still love that treat. You'll still see me in the afternoon, have a latte and scone. And I still like that combination, but it's only within my eating window because I don't want my whole day consumed by, and I don't feel that, you know, let me just take a second to say, I don't feel that 
gnawing craving, even when I do have it. It's more of a psychological wanting of that experience. And I can go and do it and I can just have the one scone. You know, it's not, even if there were three in a basket, I wouldn't eat three, which certainly wasn't true, you know, when my eating was off the rails. Yeah. You know, I kind of ha- happened into it very accidentally. I was similar early in my journey. You know, I was eating fairly low carb. I was kind of trying all the things and I was having some progress, but nothing was kind of moving the needle. And then a friend of mine had kind of lost a bunch of weight and she said, you know, I had to give up dairy uh, for a little bit. And I was like, gosh, well, I haven't tried that. And the funny thing was, is really what that forced me was just into black coffee. And I look back and I immediately started having changes. So that's why in our group Motivate with My Betty Lou this month, we're doing an October black coffee challenge. And a lot of people in this group maybe have never intermittent fasted or have never, you know, really taken a look at that cream in their coffee as something that could be causing downstream hunger, lack of satiation, and other inflammation that we're just not realizing. So I'm, I hate to beat a dead ho- horse, listeners, but I think Kim just really <laughs> I'll, I'll beat, highlighted something. I'll beat that dead horse with you because what I tell people, and I'm, and I'm, when people say I fast with just water and I feel great, I don't, I'm not a coffee drinker, never was, you know, I'm not on the bandwagon for coffee for its own sake, but I, I say that the black coffee not only did this physiological magic that we're talking about, but for me, and I don't think this has been true for you because I get the sense you've lived a big, bold life all along, but uh, as a newcomer to boldness, it was really important for me to get into this mindset of, I'm not going to say I can't drink black coffee. I'm going to try. And if I choose not to drink it, that's the language I'm going to use. So around the communities, as I've floated in and out of various intermittent fasting communities, I really, as a gentle person who doesn't really like to challenge people, I really reject the idea that anyone can't drink black coffee. They might choose not to, and that's okay. There's things I choose not to drink. But for me, not being willing to say I can't do it, being willing to try and then, you know, succeed and conquer and say I was rugged and (laughs) all those mindset shifts completely led to some of the things that I've I've done since with my my life started from black coffee and it's like if I can drink black coffee what else can I do let me go let me go try and find out yeah and you know it's funny because when I talk to people that is probably the one thing that they're like well you can take away anything from me but don't take away my morning coffee routine my i just couldn't do that and uh the next thing's probably their wine that's mm-hmm. probably mm-hmm. next and and you know anyone who knows me knows that i can relate to both of those things so this is not coming from someone who doesn't love my sauvignon blanc and doesn't love my sure. cream filled coffee but i know the differences that has made. So you you jump into the three to seven eating window really nicely. You're clean fasting now. What does the journey start looking like then? And was Ryan and your husband, was he also kind of jumping in at the same time? I think, what, I think the way that it really unfolded was Ryan had taken some weight off and I hadn't. And that was, you know, our weight had gone up and down sort of together over the years. And it took me some time to get out of feeling abandoned by, you know, that we weren't going to be in our codependent eating ways. So he had really kind of gotten into this mindset of this 
paleo-ish, low-carb kind of lifestyle. Like I said, if I if I made spaghetti and meat sauce, he was just going to eat a bowl of meat sauce. He wasn't eating the noodles. He wasn't doing any, he was doing a really low-carb thing. And he was doing it to control diabetes. And he has a whole story around, you know, his his actual health in a more immediate, getting scared into, in getting scared straight around his eating. But he originally saw me doing the fasting and was just pleased I was finding something that was working because we have such different ways. I'm such a grazer and he's such a volume eater, likes his big meals. Uh, And I think when he saw, first of all, everyone who saw me during those initial days was just like, what is up? Because I was, the angels were singing. I was so thrilled to find something that was having such immediate results in how I felt. He was curious but what he really wondered was, could I get some of my carbohydrates in, in moderation back? Could I have a potato here and there? Could I try a little dessert here and there and not have it negatively impact my blood sugars? So he traded off initially his paleo breakfast and eventually the lunch to collapse the eating window down and bring very carefully, very cautiously at first, bring carbohydrates back into his eating. And what he found over time, both with his daily glucose, which he never monitors anymore. We're talking three and a half years ago, but with his A1C every year that his, you know, diabetic type markers, the things that you would look for, for diabetes, just continue to get better and better with time with his clean fasting regimen and incorporation of, you know, mostly unprocessed carbs back into his life. So it, it brought freedom to him in a different way, but that united us. It gave me freedom from the cravings and the grazing and it gave him the ability to kind of eat the sort of meals that he always wanted to be eating. Hey friends, it's Bet. If you are enjoying today's podcast, I really hope you will join me every week for what I hope you find are inspiring interviews and bold content on topics like family and career and health. And can I also ask you a favor? Can you press that subscribe button and write a review if you like what you hear today? By doing those things, you are helping me get the word out, and I truly would be ever, ever so grateful. It also allows you to be the first to know when new content arrives. So please, subscribe today. Now, let's get back to our guests. Does your life today, are you guys still kind of in a three to seven eating window? Does it vary a lot since you guys are kind of more in a maintenance mode? What does that look like? Yeah, well, you know, it's interesting because people have often reflected that we had this, you know, this real leg up or we had this resource in each other that we were doing the lifestyle together. But with every year that goes by, our ways deviate slightly. And we have to be vigilant that especially I have to be vigilant that it's not creep back toward things that didn't work. But I am much happier eating over a longer window, whether you want to call it a snack and a meal or two smaller meals, I would rather eat slightly less food at a sitting over a slightly longer time. Like I, I do a four or five hour window, occasionally a six hour window. Now, if anything, his window has collapsed down. He teaches public high school, especially when he's teaching, he doesn't take any food for the school day. Like he leaves here at six o'clock in the morning. He's not going to be home till four, four thirty in the afternoon. He doesn't take food. He fasts all day. He likes to come home and eat a very large meal. I won't call it one plate. Sometimes he comes in the door and eats an appetizer, eats something I'm cooking, might wait a little while, might eat a big meal, might wait a little while after that and eat something else, another snack or dessert. I mean, I'm making air quotes because he's not a big sweets guy, but 
he still is eating maybe in a two hour window, a lot of days. For me, when I look at the way that he eats, I feel like I would be, that's, first of all, I wouldn't want to wait that long to eat. I prefer eating earlier. Uh, This summer, we were just both doing an earlier window and having the main meal mid-afternoon. I love that when that works out. But I definitely don't like the feeling of eating that volume all at once. I never did. You know, I've, I've, I've compartmentalized my eating and I've had to make myself eat real meals when I was just a snack, snack, snacker. Uh, but I still would rather have two smaller meals than one large. Isn't that cool though, how you two now, like you said, aren't, aren't doing the exact same thing, but it's working for both of you. And I love that, you know, you can kind of find the shoe that fits you best. You know, when I first started intermittent fasting, I literally just skipped dinner a few days a week. I was extremely, I was at probably one of the highest activity points. I was lifting a lot. I was already eating really well. I had kind of addressed some of the things that were harming my health journey. And therefore, I was finding kind of some things that really worked well for me. And I'm probably more similar to you. I don't I don't like to just eat in a really small window. And I found for me that I, my results were, were better when I did a little bit longer window with like however you want to explain it. A couple me- – is that really two meals or is it really one small – you know, appetizer and a meal. So when you guys were early on in your health journey to now, did you guys have health things that now are, are gone? Were you, were you pre-diabetic? Were you, uh, did you have other issues like fatty liver? What are things that you saw heal during that time besides just weight loss? I was one of those blessed people who, despite carrying almost a hundred excess pounds, didn't really have any major comorbidities, my cholesterol, blood pressure, all that was still in the normal range. I, every time I would get my good report from the doctor, I knew it was just like spinning the roulette wheel and it was just a matter of time. For me, what has helped ha- happened with my health is one, my seasonal allergies are gone. They were not uh, severe, but they were moderate. And so not dealing, and I'm, I'm talking about, I walk four miles during peak hay fever season in the tall grass, wild grass and wildflowers. And I never have so much as an itch or a sniffle. I used to have symptoms even with daily medications. So that's gone. And I know that's a fasting thing. Um, I had eczema on my left hand that would come and go. That was just some kind of minor autoimmune flaring thing that would just itch and get really ugly. And I wonder if I should go get prescription cream. That's completely 100% gone. And everything else are sort of the vague complaints of, you know how you, all the jokes about how everybody in their 30s and 40s is always tired, always has a headache, always has a backache, always feels a little digestively off. I had all that because of course I didn't take Mm -hmm. good care care of myself. So I always just felt kind of blah and didn't have anything really to compare it to. I had a culture that kind of normalizes, oh, if you can barely drag yourself up after a whole night of sleep. If you've never got any energy, if you always feel like you need to sit down. And of course, at the peak of my weight, my knees did start to bother me. There would be times we'd be somewhere with the kids and I'd be like, I'm going to sit while you climb to the top of this historic tower at the fort or something. So I didn't have chronic pain, but I had enough aches and pains that I was, you know, now I'll change my six-year-old niece, you know, I don't let her like win a race. I'll I'll run and beat her because I can run pain free. So for me, it was all the little things that I didn't even know were bothering me so much that went away. Um, for Ryan, you know, it's it's the feeling like he has this stress. His his journey with diabetes is 
twofold. He was diagnosed first in his 20s before we met. He went vegetarian and low fat. He got his diabetes under control. And then we met and married and I had two children from my, my, my two kids are from my first marriage. And so we had little kids around and all the food and all the things. And he kind of loosened up on the low fat, loosened up on the vegetarian and then went all the way down into, you know, our, our book, Unbelievable Freedom is about how we kind of developed a, an unhealthy codependency around really binge eating. I mean, I, I don't want to overly pathologize it, but the kids would go with their dad for the weekend and we would just eat. We would just eat a dozen donuts. We would just eat fast food. We, would, we just really both struggled with food. And so obviously his diabetes that he self-cured with vegetarian eating, you know, came roaring back. And so a while before where my story started at the beginning of this, he had learned once again that his blood sugars were in a diabetic range. And he really, really did not want that to just sort of surrender to that and go on meds and say, well, okay, now I have to check my blood sugar and decide how much insulin to have with every meal. Like he, we are so similar and so different. And he is one of those people that he's really very stoic about, you know, he can let his habits (laughs) run out of control as evidenced by everything in this story. But when he gets his mindset on something, like it's, something I love about him and also that frustrates me about him because I'm much more loosey-goosey, flexible. He decided I'm getting this diabetes thing under control. So therefore, he abandoned me in our in our weekend binges and said, you know, if you want to eat a pint of ice cream, you can, but I can't do this. It's going to kill me. And he started to, and of course, I had to support him. I said in the book, you know, I felt abandoned, but I also didn't want any harm to come to him. So he started to eat low carb and I was, you know, grilling meats and roasting vegetables and doing all the things to support his low carb eating, meanwhile, not getting myself under control. So the moral of his diabetes story is that he's, his A1C just gets better every year. He's beyond, he's normaler than normal and um, with no medication and no nothing except this very easy lifestyle that we enjoy living. So it's just been a win. It's been a win on every level. Oh, I just love that, Kim. So you mentioned your book, Unbelievable Freedom. And why don't you share how you decided that you wanted to share about you and Ryan's journey and how that book came to be and maybe some of the the highlights or pearls of wisdom that you feel uh, you want listeners to take away from that book. Sure. It you know, it's funny there's there's this moment when you feel like your story is significant, you know, here I am still telling it 3 years later and you want to share it with the world and I always say I don't, I'm not saying everybody should write a book, but we had this interest in our story that was I think born out of the fact that we had this shared experience that we're talking about. We had a lot of people asking, hey, how'd you do this? And we had a lot of people asking, hey, how did you even end up at this spot that you, you know, a lot of people gain weight after marriage, but it's always, you know, about that 10 or 15 pounds. It's not 200 pounds. And so the the backstory became compelling. And of course, the results, the thing that we heard people say over and over was, wow, that's really unbelievable. I mean, we, we had a a lot of uh, admiration and also some healthy skepticism about, is this for real? Are these pictures of the two of you for real, because you honestly don't look like the same people. And, and we had both the, just the dramatic part of having that much weight off your body, but then people were really stuck on the, you look so much younger, you look so much younger, which doesn't tend to happen when people lose a lot of weight, when they have surgery or um, when they use another method of 
controlling their eating or, or counting calories, they sometimes look so much thinner, but they don't look so much more vibrant and healthy and young and all those good things. So the more we heard unbelievable, the more we wanted to incorporate that into the book. And so we called it Unbelievable Freedom. We told our back stories all the way back to before we knew each other, you know, kind of our childhood um, histories with food. And what we wanted to accomplish with the book was for people to really believe. I mean, we know this works. Everyone who lives this lifestyle consistently and really goes all in knows it works. But for the people standing on the outside, they have every reason to be skeptical. They've been burned by diets. Things that seem too good to be true usually are. And so we really wanted, we wanted the book to bring people to intermittent fasting. And we specifically wanted people to come to Delay Don't Deny because the community was um, so useful for us. And so we asked Jen Stevens if she would um, write a foreword for us. This is way back when, in, in early 2018. And over the summer of 2018, um, Jen not only wrote that foreword, but showed me the ropes of how to get the book up onto Amazon. And the rest is history. It's sold all over the world. It's sold on, on audio as an audiobook. It's been translated into Korean. It's just been a really fun adventure. Oh, I just love that. And I think just a really unique take on intermittent fasting for you and Ryan to not just share your journey together, but also share your journey on how you got there. And and now I'd love you to also share how writing Unbelievable Freedom then brought you to kind of the next step, which was your kind of workbook series. Is that what you would call it? That's, is your workbook yeah, series? That's what I what I do call it and what I have called it and I'm I'm toying with is there an even better name because these these books are sort of a unique blend of of someone telling a little bit of their story less than what we tell in Unbelievable Freedom, a little bit of their story and then teaching some habits. And the way it came about is when Unbelievable Freedom came out, it was selling very robustly and I was feeling called to do something else with my life. I was working in a hospital in a medical office and I, as I just tend to do, decided I was going to take this leap of faith and leave my job. And so as soon as you leave your job and decide to be self-employed, you know, it, we like to laugh. The difference between being unemployed and being self-employed is whether you make any money. Um, and, and, and books are not incredibly lucrative, though I've been very blessed by the fact that I have made a real income from this book. But I needed to decide what else, what else do I have to offer the world and how can I actually operate this as a business? So I started a, a series of motivational emails that I sold by subscription. So I don't do that anymore. But a couple of years ago, people who came to me and said, you know, can you help me with my journey? I wasn't offering coaching per se, but people could subscribe to this this email series and receive a detailed email from me every day for 33 days to help them walk through their theoretically first 33 days of fasting. And people loved the series and the community that was around me at that time was like, this was so helpful. It was so useful. It was great to hear from you every day. I felt like you were showing up to, you know, encourage me and support me. And so I thought, well, Hey, I know how to make a book. Why don't I bind all of these same motivational messages into a workbook and put it up on Amazon to find more people and hopefully help more people. And that was so much fun. I thought, well, what else could I write a workbook about? And so I wrote my second workbook, which is called Poster Girl Habits. And it's really about practicing contentment intentionally. There's some lattes and scones in there and also collecting easy delights and photographing sleeping bumblebees. And it's a whimsical 
it's it's another side of me. It's the side of me that has nothing to do with um, fasting and food, but about all the other ways that I find freedom by being spiritually connected and being out in the universe. And so then that second book was to me the start of a series. And I was like, hey, what do I do next? And I knew I couldn't continue to generate. I maybe could have, but I didn't want to continue to generate my voice over and over. I wanted to collaborate with other people. And so I started to seek out authors who had subject matter in other areas that felt like freedom to me. You know, one of the things that you know, because you're here doing this podcast, is that people who really get their health aligned through intermittent fasting have all this freed up bandwidth. And they say, okay, now what do I do with all that energy that I used to use struggling with food and counting calories and macros? What do I do with this brain power? What do I do with this physical stamina and energy? What do I do with this surge of magic and joy? And people create things and people have started businesses and changed careers. And so I've been able to partner with a few of, not everyone who's written for my series is from our community, but some of the authors are. And it's just an extension of that same feeling of, I know something, I want to pass it on and try to try to help others take a step toward unbelievable freedom. Wow. If I had a quote to just, I, I think I'm going to put that in the beginning of the episode, because I think what you hit on has really been the true testament on my journey is that when I found this freedom, when I got my health to a place that was thriving, in my opinion, or to the best it was in my adult life, I I had such clear purpose. I had so much more energy. And it was funny because people noticed that. People started asking, Bet, you've always been super high energy. Bet, you've always been this, but but something's different. And I think what you just keyed in on is exactly what the message I think you want to spread to the world is that by finding this tool, the opportunities are endless. You know, there's just so much possibility out there for you. So I love that you share that. And I guess to me, that is why it's so important for people to hear that because that can be such a powerful goal to say, I want, I want a piece of that. That's what I want. You know, that's the freedom I, I, I want. Bet I think you you are also hitting it right on the head is I've had a lot of people who have come closer to me during this journey and said, there's something about what's happened to you. And and because they all they really understand is, tell me what you ate, tell me exactly what you ate, tell me what time you ate at, when you stopped, and, and da-da-da-da-da, because they want to replicate that. But it's like they aren't – it isn't my weight loss, because mm-hmm. you can lose weight a 100 ways, and people haven't come and been attracted to my story because of my weight loss. It's because of my freedom. And that resonates deeply within people because people want to be free, People deserve to be free. And when they see someone else who has it, if they're ready, if they're if they're ready to admit and give themselves permission, they're gonna step up and say, What's this really what's this story really about? And so Unbelievable Freedom is a weight loss memoir. I people either love it because they get that it's about more than weight loss. Occasional few bad reviewers have been frustrated that we didn't tell them exactly what to eat and when to eat it. But it is it is a freedom that people are feeling in you that they are feeling in me and that we, just by what we're doing, just by having this conversation, there are women who will listen to this that will say, oh, 
I have a right to show up and be be my real self and be in a place of freedom. And that to me is my highest calling. <laughs> well, you're doing a fabulous job at it and I'm inspired by it. And I know people listening today will be too. So Kim, if someone approaches you, what's some of your bold advice that you like to offer them? And when they say, you know, besides the obvious of, yeah, intermittent fasting was a key part of my journey. Are there tidbits that as you've grown this workbook series, as you've kind of found more purpose and and clearer vision of your goals, what advice do you like to offer people? Are there a few nuggets that are are really your main pillars that you like to share? Well, I usually take a uh, something from my grandmother's playbook. And I simply say, enjoy your life. But what that means and how to make that actionable is to really start to get clear on, first of all, that you are worth it, that this is about you, your life and the fact that you're here is about you. Even if you take care of lots and lots of other people, and I know you do bet, it mm-hmm. is about you. And that when you can get aligned around, how do I enjoy my life? Because for me, my story truly is where we started at the beginning of this episode is seven years ago, my grandmother passed from this life asking me to enjoy mine. And the more I've set out to do that, the more I've been able to be useful to my own children, my own family, and to people in the world by simply being willing to enjoy life, to put myself first, to take care of myself, to find answers. You know, this intermittent fasting piece came later than some of the other pieces because I needed, I needed tools and information. It wasn't simple. I was opening up and surrendering and all of those great spiritual things, but I still needed to, to know how to, how to do this, how to do this thing with food. And so that was the gift of, of delay, don't deny and finding the book when I did is because now I have, have that tool, but whatever your tool is, you know, I, I, I think that fasting has a role for everyone. I think everyone should give their body a break, no matter how they eat, how many, how healthy they are what their weight is, but whatever your tool is that will let you enjoy life. That's my message. And that's my takeaway. Oh, I just love the legacy of your grandma. And I think it just shines so clearly through you. And, you know, I talked about black coffee beating a dead horse, but I think that I also hope that we emphasize on this podcast that the more you can fill your cup, the more we can be a little bit bold and challenge the things that we had always kind of been told that, you know, to be a good wife, to be a good mom, to be a good career person, we had to kind of be less bold and not and not put our, our self first and not fill our cup and not put the oxygen mask on first. And I think what I hope you're hearing from Kim and from me is that the world's waiting for you and the best version of you, and you can make more of a difference. You can change more people's lives and be more giving and more of a servant when you do take care of yourself. And too often that gets lost somewhere. And we're so fearful that we're going to be called selfish or or that that means that we're not good at those things. And when we are bold enough to kind of challenge that narrative and say, you know, maybe that hasn't really been working for me. You know, I'm not, I'm not the best version of myself. And it, I think t- Kim's story is such a testimony to that. So Kim, tell us about 
your workbooks and Unbelievable Freedom and connecting with you? How do people do that and support your journey and learn more about it? Yeah, thanks. I am really easy to find because I'm Unbelievable Freedom everywhere. So I'm Unbelievable Freedom on Facebook. That's my page and my group. I'm Unbelievable Freedom on Instagram and on Pinterest. And my website is www.unbelievablefreedom.com. Well, this is probably the best interview I've done in terms of being able to really organically hit on all these pieces. I really want people to understand that my transformation started from life enjoyment. And I want people to know that they really are called to enjoy their lives. That's not something to create pressure. That's a possibility to live into. And when you start to feel like things are full of possibility instead of expectation, there's a freedom in that. And that's what's my entire weight loss journey, my intermittent fasting journey comes from being, you know, playful and curious and experimenting and taking the pressure out of it. With the pressure out of it, the struggle is out of it. Then you can enjoy it and everything starts to fall into place. Amen. Well, listeners, let's all go enjoy our lives today with the beautiful advice of Kim's grandma and from Kim today. And let's go find our freedom. Kim, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much. It's a treat. Thank you for listening today. For more information, you can find me on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and my new website, betlucas.com. And remember, friends, be you boldly. The world needs you.